All right, if you had over the three and a half on Mitch Unfiltered episodes, you win. I don't know by how much you win, but you win. You can cash your ticket now. Can you? You can, because this is episode number four. So we made it past three and a yeah. half. I don't know. I'm waiting for the big cancel. I'm waiting for the big Ziggy. The Ziggy. The big Z. Yeah, I, ha- I haven't gotten it yet. So we got to... <laughs> We got to do number four. Here's the hit list. Here's the table of contents that somehow we've got to touch on as many of these as we possibly can in this episode number four. The middle of the roads beat the Niners Mm. on Sunday, surging towards the playoffs are the Seahawks. Washington's anemic offense beats Utah anyway. Rose Bowl bound. Underdogs to Urban Meyer. Kareem Hunt's story. Unbelievable and disturbing to say the least. The Mariners are trading everyone away this week. Cano's gone. Eddie Diaz is going to be gone. Gene Segura, it looks like, is going now. The NHL is going to award Seattle an expansion team this week, we think. The Huskies basketball team Mm. struggles but wins and now has the weasel on Wednesday night. You're going to Spokane. I'm going to Spokane. Huskies uh, against the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Ray Lee, we can we can we get Ray Liotta? Can we squeeze Ray Liotta and the commercial for Sm- you know the commercial oh, I'm talking about? I know the commercial. I am so creeped out every time I see that commercial, and I gotta figure out. You gotta help me figure out why. Every time I see that commercial, I'm like a dog in a thunderstorm. I'm like running for cover. I'm like, get, I it's can't. Disturbing. I can't. I can't it even. I don't even want to look. It's just there's something about him, and I had. A brush with him once. It's not much of a story, but I actually oh, ran into Ray Liotta once okay. uh, in an airport, and I was equally as freaked out then. Really? As I? Oh, yes, yes. Episode number four brought to you by Daniel's Broiler, Zeke's Pizza, and Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Remember, they don't call the Land Rovers the big daddy of them all for no reason. Make sure your holidays are safer by driving the best four by four by a landslide. The family discovery has to be the best value. Family. SUV. Unfiltered. Say what you want, but Russell Wilson against the Chargers from the second possession to the second to last possession stunk the joint up. He held the ball way too long leading to sacks, and he missed wide open guys on third down a couple of two, three times to extend the drives. Throws he makes in his sleep. Unfiltered. So let me get this straight. I'm going to pay to see Tiger versus Phil, two guys worth over a billion dollars combined, play for nine million more, and it's not even their own money, and I dislike one of the two guys intensely. All right, I'm in. Mitch is unfiltered. All right, episode number four, and I don't know, how long do we want to continue with the numbers? It's right. uh, it's it's ready. I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. I'm ready for four. I mean, is it going to be five? Is it six? I'm hoping. Okay, let's do it. I'm hoping. Uh, we're available on more and more platforms. I can't tell you what, a bunch of them. The consultant says, you're available on this, this, and this. Stop worrying about it. Okay. You are like Stitcher. Have you ever heard of sure. Stitcher? People can find it. Do you know Stitcher? No. No, I don't know Stitcher. No. Do you know Twitcher? No, I don't know that one either. I, I, I'm one of those I don't think exists. Yeah, but Stitcher, I think, I think, yeah. I think Stitcher does exist. Uh, so we want you, if you listen on iTunes, to please subscribe to the, the yeah. podcast while we're still doing it. Yeah, Mitch Unfiltered, subscribe to it and give us a rating. We want a five star. Now you said in the last episode, and I got a little feedback from. Oh, that. you did. Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. You said it's five stars or nothing. 
<laughs> I did say that. You're not even. You I don't did, want uh, four. You don't want four and a half. Four to fives. Yeah. That's it. You're all yeah. about the fives. All about the fives. So you don't want anybody who's not willing to give us a five star to rate us at all. Well, I I would just appreciate the five star. I yeah. mean, I, I'm not saying that. Uh, Others aren't deserved, but five star. I think I think we're five star talent. That's yeah. what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see five star talent? I don't, when you yeah, look I, I see it. I see okay. it. All I right. See it. Okay. Did you see five star talent on Sunday night when you watched the Washington Huskies against who they play? Cal Santa, Santa Barbara. Barbara. Who's supposed to be decent? They're supposed to be decent. Yeah, they ah. won 23 games last year, but it was a struggle. Oh, it was a struggle. Struggle to score, right? Struggle to score. What they shoot? What they shoot on Sunday in night? In the 40s. Four, in the 40s. Yeah. Did they make it to the 40s? They, oh yeah, they were in the 40s. All right, they're in the 40s. Yeah. All right, we'll uh, we'll talk about them and the Weasel on Wednesday night. And also, by the way, uh, if you'd like to, if you like the show, if you like the podcast, if you like Mitch Unfiltered, this would be a great time to go to MitchUnfiltered.com and click the Become a Patron. Now, what does Become a Patron mean? Yeah. It means that you like the show and you want to support the show. Which is great. Uh, it costs anywhere from $5 a month up. It's up to you. It's got to be a minimum of 5 And that just means, hey, we want you guys to hang around for a while. It's a good thing. We'd like to hang around for a while. We want you to, to be a part of it. And if you say to us with your credit card, hey, we want you to be around for a while and you become a patron, you get access to what we call bonus material. I'm putting a lot of stuff. I yeah. don't know if you noticed. I'm yeah. putting a lot yeah. of bonus stuff up. Yeah. And this week in particular, this is a good week to hear Mr. Postseason. And I know I'm going to disappoint you when I tell you, no Mr. Postseason on this podcast. We just don't have oh, time for it. You, you, no Mr. Postseason. No Mr. Postseason? No, no Mr. Postseason on this podcast. Okay. Only for the patron bonus drop well it would normally be on this but i've got i've got rick neuheisel lined up for this podcast yep. i've got jason lock and oh. making his mitch unfiltered debut and yes. we've got all these things to talk about plus the monday night game between the eagles and redskins is huge. important huge it's i wouldn't say huge but it's important mm -hmm. it's important and we'll talk a little bit about it we'll talk around mr postseason but if you want to hear mr postseason update everything after the monday night game is complete Become a patron. Go to MitchUnfiltered.com. There's a little thing that says become a patron. You click it, and then it takes you to a site where you can become an official patron like the masters of Mitch Unfiltered. Perfect. All right? Perfect. All right. 43 to 16. Let's start right there. 43 to 16. The Taking Seahawks. care of business. Well, I mean, look at that team. I, I mean, you would expect nothing less, Correct. right? Uh, by the way, first 43-16 game in NFL history. Janikowski? Janikowski helped out. Yeah. He does. Mm -hmm. And he does help out. Yeah. Yeah, I got things to say about Janikowski, okay. but I won't say them because it's a good It's a good feel. We're going to keep this good. Okay. going to keep this light. 43-16. I call them the middle of the roads now. The Seattle middle of the roads, thanks to Richard Sherman. Yes. Uh, no problem. And so I'll give you just a brief overview. I'm not going to go into Mr. Postseason, but Sunday was the almost the perfect day. The bell! Bring it! The bell! You want to ring it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, at some point, I got to get that. It was almost a perfect playoff day mm -hmm. for the, uh, the Seahawks in their pursuit of a playoff spot in 2018. Think about what happened to help the Seahawks. Before the Seahawks even played, the Bucks beat the Panthers and gave the Panthers their sixth yeah. loss of the season. 
and then the Falcons lost their eighth game at home to the Ravens, so they're just about out of it. They can only do eight and eight. Um, the Packers, ooh, they fired their head coach in the right. They didn't even let the guy. The guy's a Super Bowl champion head coach. Done. They fired him right after the Done. game. They didn't even let him out of the ballpark. There was a lot of talk though that he was going to be gone. I didn't expect it to be during the season. You lose to a what is looks like a bad Cardinal team. One of the worst in football. Cardinals. I'm so used right. to Stanford Cardinal. Yeah. yeah. Dejon Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Done. Done. You get fired. <sighs> I, I I don't know how I feel about that. I, I just think that certain coaches, once you do enough, once you do enough, once you win a little bit. Don't you deserve to, to be course. fired at the end of the season? Of course I you mean, do. I don't know. Maybe maybe Green Bay fans would say, no, we want to start looking right now, and you really can't start looking for a new head coach until you officially fire the other. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like the guy's been there for – I know he's not a great coach, and I know the Packer fans want him out, and I get it. And I know that Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't like him and all that stuff, but I don't know. After the 13th or 12th game of the season – you can't wait till week 16 at the end on Black Monday, they call it, yeah. right after the end of the regular season and fire him like all the other people. I don't know. Firing the guy in the middle of the season that won a Super Bowl? He's a Super Bowl champion coach? It's not quite the middle, but I, I agree with you. It's not the middle. Like, uh, you're yeah. in your last last little quartile I'm talking season. about firing him sure. before the end of the season. Sure. I don't mean middle, middle, but I just uh, it just seems weird. That was really shocking to me. And then... The Vikings lose to the Patriots. It's the one time we wanted the Patriots to win a yeah. football game. If you're a Seahawks fan, so nearly, so they they gain ground on everybody. Right, everybody. The only small thing that didn't happen, Mr. Postseason will cover this. Uh, he'll cover this when he does the bonus episode for the patrons. Is that Bears Giants game was wild? You were you were out today, yeah, so yeah. you know the Bears score on the final game, final play of regulation on a flea flicker running back pass to a receiver to tie the game and send it into overtime, and then they lose in overtime. Not the greatest result for the Seahawks. Not horrible because the Vikings ended up losing because mm. we, we kind of want the Bears to win that division sure. and keep the Vikings in the in the wild card kind of pool of teams. So that wasn't a great result. But other than that, the Seahawks just – I mean – I don't know about these computer systems that list the percentages of them making the playoffs. I mean, I do right, my own. Right. I actually do my own. I haven't started yet. I normally do it with four games to go, and that's where we are now. But they must have gone skyrocketed to make the playoffs. Sure. And now now they've got room for error. They're going to be in at 10-6. and six. They're probably going to be in, even in at night. they got four games. They're going to be able probably – they don't want to test this out yeah. – to lose two – they could go two and two, and they've got the 49ers one more time. They've got the Cardinals. They should beat at home. And then they got the the, the big Chiefs one next weekend. So next Monday night, the Vikings, Vikings are here. Yeah. Vikings, Seahawks, huge. I mean, huge for playoff positioning mm -hmm. next Monday night. And uh, the Chiefs game, which changes a little bit based on the news, and we'll get to that uh, as well. Uh, they'll be here the second to last game. So the Seahawks look great today. Uh, Russell Wilson, four touchdown passes. A 140 passer rate. I, I don't even know where to start. 168 yards rushing for the team. They average 5.8 yards carry. Uh, Combination of Carson and Penny. Penny. Can we right? talk about Penny for a second? Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether you have a view on this. When I watched Penny in the in the preseason, now some might say that he was young and he was not confident. He didn't know what he was doing, and he looked a little chub he looked a little chubby to me in the preseason, to my eye. 
chubby. He looked chubby and not quick. Like they would, I would see his highlights from college, yeah. and it almost didn't look like the same guy. Mm-hmm. And he was a, he seemed like he had put on a couple of pounds. I don't know if that's right or right. wrong. I'm speculating right, to my right. eye, and he just didn't seem like he had any kind of suddenness or anything. Yeah, no explosiveness. Nothing. No, couldn't find a hole. I was super unimpressed. You yeah. never want to judge a guy in sure. preseason his rookie sure. year. So, and now I look at him, and he looks a lot, a lot more svelte to me. He looks a lot more sudden to me. He looks like, like he's got a little, he's got another gear to him, and he's he's running the ball beautifully. So you had him, you had Davis, you had Chris Carson, who I think the world of, right. and so their running game was fine, and it was great. And they had celebrations. Did you, now you're you're my celebration guy. I need some ratings on these celebrations. Okay. I, I need to throw. I, I don't even know some of them. Some of them kind of went over my head. Yeah. So did you see the first one was was great? Sure, they they relived the Sherman interception in the same end zone, the, the same tip, corner, the, the whole, tip, the whole deal. Genius, genius. I, they had the they had the whole thing going. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen Sherman's reaction to that. I don't even know if he saw it. Yeah. But so you had to like that one, right? Oh, of course. You got you had to give of him a, a, a. But then I, I didn't see them all now. So just so you know, I didn't see them all. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. So, um. They just seem. I don't know that the receiving core is ready. Is is ready with enough celebration? I don't think that they anticipated scoring. Oh, uh-oh. Scoring four. Yeah. They need to because they ended up mining for gold in one of them. Mm-hmm. They ended up doing the Macarena. Yeah. Jayham, when was that, the last time oh, you saw know. the Macarena? Maybe. They brought the Macarena yeah. back. Yeah, in the mid aughts. <laughs> <laughs> And then they did a scene. Are you are you familiar with Eddie Murphy's movie Life? Oh, it's a classic. See, it's I, a, I this one went right over my head. They did something about a baby. Do you oh, remember yeah. a scene? Yeah, oh, yeah. Help me out. There was a scene where they they hand a baby. There's a line of guys and explain you, it. Oh, do you I really never want saw me to go into this? I never saw it. I don't even know. Well, so the movie Life is a as you might expect is about being in prison for life. Okay. Yeah. It's sort of a comedy, but sort of not. And there's a there's a scene where uh, there's a few guys that are lined up, uh, all black. Yeah. In this prison in Mississippi. Yeah. And uh, a baby was conceived and brought up, and the the grandfather yeah. is trying to hold the baby up next to each man <laughs> to see if it lo- who whose baby it belongs to. Saw, how did I miss this movie? Oh, it's it's okay. It's, it's and so what? Is, so what happens? So that they find. So all the guys in the line basically band together, and claim that it was them, so that no one gets in trouble. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a and classic so they movie. they read the receivers of the Seahawks yeah, they, in 2018 oh, yeah. redid this. Yes, and only only a few people would get it because it wasn't a widely viewed movie. Although it's a classic, especially in the black community, it's a classic. Uh, so anyway. let me tell you how how some people didn't get it. I was watching Twitter because I was trying to figure out what it what was. It was yeah. I didn't know what it was. And then I actually bought one person's explanation on Twitter. I remember who it was. Probably somebody that we know because I only follow people that we know. Somebody said it was like the rose ceremony of the Bachelor yeah. show. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. buy, okay, okay. Buy that. And, but then I started thinking, why would the receiving core... Right. Be doing a bachelor row that ceremony. That doesn't strike me as yeah. something that they would. Do they all get together on like whatever it is Monday nights on ABC and watch The Bachelor? Yeah. I mean, I did, but I was I was buying it. So I I I'm cheating on this one only in the sense that as I was I was out today and then yeah. I had to do the Husky yeah. basketball. So uh, 
I saw on Twitter that they did the scene from life. Yeah. And then I actually saw it and I was like, oh, of course. Of course that's what it is. Because you knew. But. Had you seen it when you didn't know. I don't know that I would have got it right away. I don't know that I would have got it right away. So I can see why there was some confusion. All right. Yeah. All right. So it wasn't all good news today. Uh Uh-oh. It wasn't all good news with the Seahawks win over the 49ers. There were some injuries. One in particular I am already freaking out about. Not Ray Liotta. Not Ray Liotta freaking out. But I'm freaking out. DJ Fluker. Oh, yeah. That's right. It was Fluker. DJ Fluker uh, came off with a bad hamstring walked off but then couldn't get to the locker room on his own they had to bring the card out and everything so I was I was freaking out a little bit mm-hmm. I am I, I mean he to me he kind of embodies now some people would say J.R. Sweezy but there's something about this guy Fluker who kind of changed who kind of was the poster boy of the change in mentality of that yeah, offensive yeah. line and I'm not here suggesting that they won't be good without him if he's got to miss a few weeks or more but there's something about him, and again, there's going to be a lot of things about today's episode four that I can't quite put my finger on, but DJ Fluker's got an attitude, has got a, a badassness, toughness, a yeah. toughness about yeah. him that kind of is synonymous with this change in the offensive mm-hmm. line. So I sure hope that uh, he's not gone for long. And then Carson, Chris Carson, hurt his finger and uh, it's going to be tough to pick up one of those tacos on Tuesday for Carson, <laughs> even though he didn't. He's not, the, he's not going pinky out. All well, the time. he'll tell you I'm not interested right. in Taco Times Taco. Mm. Uh, and he wasn't the one who got us the taco. It was Penny, Penny. who got us the taco, but mm-hmm. we got a taco. Mm-hmm. When are you going to meet me at Taco Time on a Tuesday and, have, and, and get the free taco? Well, Taco Time actually reached out on Twitter and asked me when I was going to get involved. They said, why do you not So why does it take them to ask you? It doesn't. Why, why don't you respond to me? Mr. Jesse Jones, buddy. Yeah. What, what, hey, Jesse's my we, guy. That's I, on the list. Listen, but. we're going to get Jesse. What? what, <laughs> we're what, get. what that, that was. Jesse's my guy. No, Jesse Jones is my guy. All of us, for people who don't know what we're talking about, we're tweeting back and forth, yeah. having a good old time, laughing amongst ourselves. No one else finds anything that we do particularly funny, no, which is okay. Not clever. Then all of a sudden, Jesse Jones wants to get in the fray. He's got opinions. He's got opinions. He, he's, he's entitled to his opinions but to it get just on Twitter. Was, it was like. Wait a second, Jay Ham and Jesse Jones yeah, are, my are, guy. are are buddies? Yeah. Like you guys go way back. Can you, you should, want we golf? That's my guy. You do not. <laughs> Look at your face. You don't golf with Jesse, Jesse Jones, Jones. Is a good golfer. Oh, is he? Oh, he's a single. He's single digits. He's, he's good. Oh, single digits, or yeah. he's one of these guys that's always looking for people. He's a, no, I'm no, a single. No, he's a no, single, single digit golfer. Really? Yeah. And you and him are. I mean, did you, how did this happen? Where Where did this come I from? I mean, he's in the media and. Can you get him on? Can can we have him on the Mitch Unfiltered podcast? If he says yes, sure, I'll ask him. Well, why? If you guys are buds, why wouldn't he say why, yes? I don't know why he wouldn't. I was stunned. I was taken aback by. Were that. you? Yeah. When Jesse Jones gets in the fray, hey, yeah, you don't want to get was, Jesse. That, that was pretty. That was pretty <laughs> impressive. Uh, so, Seahawks, uh, no problems with the 49ers. Get mm-hmm. to seven and five. Uh, I do want to mention. How I how excited I was to see the return of Dante Pettis. Yeah, comes back to the Seattle area. Five catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns. He's good. Well, yeah, he's good. He's but good. that was just that just you know, if you're gonna be able to find some heartwarming story on the other side, you want it to be 43 16, mm-hmm. which it was. So it's okay. But uh, he had a very good. He had probably his, had to be in his best game as a pro, a young pro. Yeah. Dante Pettis coming back to Seattle, where he started as a college player, and uh, doing doing nice things for the 49ers. 
in their uh, in their loss to the Seahawks. And then the the Monday nighter. The Monday nighter is just huge. Minnesota will be here, and that's just got a lot of that's got a lot of ramifications. Are you sure you don't want to just throw in a little Mr. Playoffs in this in this episode? Mr. Who? Mr. Postseason. You mean Mr. Postseason? Gosh, yeah, Mr. Postseason. You uh, don't no, throw- we don't have time. Okay. And we got to wait on the Eagles Redskins okay, results. Okay, well, we don't have time. I, th- I thought. Mr. Do you not want? Okay. I thought Mr. Postseason patrons was around. Okay. You ask me for a reason why to become a patron. patron. There it is. Okay. I will go. Mr. Mr. Postseason will go through everything, every little thing, and it's all good for the Seahawks. The Seahawks are are absolutely now so much on the inside looking at the playoff spot, which is amazing mm-hmm. when you consider what a lot of people thought of this team at no, the beginning. No doubt. And then no you, doubt. you throw into the mix that they lost and looked bad those first two road games of the year where they came back 0-2 before they even had a home game. And it was just the fact that they're seven and five and looking the way they're looking, good for them. Yeah, good for them. So uh, we'll do all of that. Uh, we've got Jason Lock and Four on today's podcast. We've got Rick Neuheisel on today's podcast. We've got to discuss some more about the Huskies and the road. We got all these things to discuss, and I don't know exactly how we're going to do. Maybe we have to add a segment, one extra segment of the Mitch Unfiltered. Let's get it. Even without Mr. Podcast, I don't know how we're going to get through all Mr. this. Pod- Who's Mr. Podcast? You just said Mr. Podcast. Mr. You're Post- on me about Mr. Play. And I'm even not know- even drinking. <laughs> Mr. Postseason. There he is. And of course, Mitch Unfiltered is brought to you in part by Daniel's Broiler. I always say this because I mean it and I believe it. Daniel's Broiler is a special restaurant. One of the things I think makes Daniel special is their belief in world-class hospitality. Of course, you expect excellent steaks and seafood at Daniel's. Of course, you expect the world-class views. Of course, you expect a Wine Spectator Best of Excellence award-winning wine list and premium service. But if Daniel's doesn't make you feel special, what's the point to all of it? We live in a time when hospitality is becoming a lost art in restaurants, and that's a shame. When you go to Daniel's Broiler, your needs come first. That starts with world-class hospitality. Daniel's goal is to make every guest feel like they are part of the Daniel's family. And I'm not just talking about being polite. It's much more than that. World-class hospitality is making every guest feel warm, welcome, and important. As you know from the real world, that doesn't happen by accident. How you're treated is just important to Daniels as the excellence of their food. Daniels Broiler, South Lake Union, Leshy Marina, and Bellevue Place. Daniels Broiler, world-class steakhouses. Unfiltered. You know, there are a lot of advantages to doing this podcast, Mitch Unfiltered. Here's one right here. I get to be reunited with a guy that I really, really like, I really cared about. We did a show, I don't know, how many years How many years did we do it, uh, Jason, on the uh, on the radio station, would you say? I mean, I think it was probably all three of my years at NFL Network, I, at least two of the three, probably all three, and then I think this is my eighth season, this is in my, I think this might be my eighth season at CBS, so it would have been for at least six of those, probably close to a, I mean, it's got to be close to 10 years, right? It's unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. I missed you so flies, much. Time flies, dude. Yeah. Time yeah. flies, but yeah. it's, good, it's good to hear your voice. It's good to be talking to you, brother. I'm it's, excited for you. It's great to hear your voice and so, uh, so appreciative of all the notes and the texts over the, over the 15 months. It's, uh, you know, guys like you help me kind of gather the strength to get back on my feet and, and continue on and uh-huh. show show my boys and show my family the way you get up and take responsibility and accountability. Uh-huh. So, yeah. It's all, it's all, it's all you, brother. You're walking the walk, and you're, you're, you know, you don't need to answer to anybody. And 
I am, trust me, I am, I am, I am, I am as human and fallible as anybody, and I am no, you know, paradigm of uh, morality and goodness either. We've all got our struggles, so. Now, brother, onward and upward. Uh, thank you very much. Let's start right with uh, the news of the day yesterday, and then kind of we'll work our way backwards. This McCarthy uh, dismissal, I just, I don't know. I It caught me by surprise, probably not you, that they would do it uh, before the season ends. I figured he would be a Black Monday dismissal. Yeah. What ha- what happened after the game on Sunday? They call him right in the office. You know any information? And were you surprised by this? Give us your take on, on McCarthy and yeah. the Packers. Yeah. I... I- reported pretty early in the season um week three or week four i was hearing from people who were very close confidants of the quarterback and the coach and both the messaging from both was exactly the same that this thing is kind of like it's not it's not going in a positive direction anymore and it's it's regressing and it's not just sort of a healthy competitive tension anymore it's kind of a this guy might be holding me back that guy is holding me back why is this dude on the staff? This guy doesn't know the offense as well as I do. Just way more of that than in the past. And it was clear to these people then. And I don't throw crap at the wall. Like, if I'm going out there that early in the season saying, this is where that thing's heading, like, barring them running off, you know, the Houston Texans, nine straight wins, that's where that thing was. And, and no one there really thought it was going to get better. It wasn't a relaxed situation. It was a... Uh, Oblique. I guess I could just say it. Oh shit! Situation. Yeah. Um, uh, and and it's continued to be. And and no one in that building will probably ever admit it. Um, we're talking before Mark Murphy's press conference, and we'll see what he has to say. No, I'm sure they'll say this was a reaction to the last couple of games and yada yada yada. But trust me, Mike McCarthy's agent back in October knew I better start lining something else up. And Mark Murphy back in October knew. Uh, let's start putting a list together. You know, this, this we just we're giving this cat thirty six million a year now. Um, we got to be better than this. And so, by doing it now, they can uh, they don't have to go around people's backs and quietly look for the next candidate. Uh, they can do right. that r- outward and over. I mean, is anybody giving them grief over not waiting till the Monday after the regular season? We got to this point already. I'm sure some people who are. I mean, you could paint it both ways, right? You could say. And usually the conventional thinking is, and I'm not in any way implying conventional thinking is the right way to think, especially when it comes to NFL conventional thinking, which I tend thinks to get stuck more in the dark ages and, 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 you know, advances much slower than we see it in the NBA and baseball and some other sports. But the conventional thinking is a guy who's given you that much service, a guy who has helped you win a Lombardi trophy, a guy who's been an upstanding citizen, a leader of men, whatever you want to say about his ability to scheme things up in the last couple of years, and whatever you want to say about his offensive philosophies and whether or not it's at the vanguard of what's going on in professional football right now, this is not a guy who let that down with his actions or his words. You know, he was a class guy. He is a class guy. He's going to get a job in, you know, 35 seconds. What kind, so of, you could what say kind that of job? He deserves the right. You, you know, traditionally you'd say that guy deserves the right to finish it out, right? Right. But you could also say, who are we kidding here? Why does he want to answer these questions for four more weeks? Why do the players want to keep asking, are you playing hard enough for him? Why didn't you play harder for him? Who do you want? Should he still be the coach? Do you think he'll get fired? And I think more so than anybody else is to protect the quarterback from that because everybody knows what this dynamic is and everybody knows that this whole job is going to be about calling the best you can possibly pull from Aaron Rodgers in the three to five years remaining of his quote-unquote prime. So I think it was that. I think it's self-serving for them, 
And you can also make the case that he's going to be, and, and, and this is a real thing, he'll be with his family for the first time in whatever, how many years. Will he be unbridled, you know what I mean, able to go Christmas shopping with his kids, help decorate the tree, like all that stuff that he's never been able to do his entire coaching career, he can now do. And it gets his, his agent can now freely start talking to other people and laying the foundation for what jobs most interest him. So I don't think it should be a taboo. I think, frankly, more teams should probably do it. Not every team has a Joe Philbin either, though, Mitch. You know what I mean? Like, go look at some of these coaches. Like, you still got to get through the season, and it's got to be quasi-professional grade. Like, not every team has a guy next man up who's been a head coach before who you know at least can get you through the final four weeks from an organizational standpoint, from a practice standpoint, operations, all that stuff. Jason Locken, for our guest, um, segue to an uncomfortable story for everybody, the Kareem Hunt story, which really dominated NFL headlines until the games were actually played on Sunday. Um, <clears throat> Jason, tell me about this story. Did everybody know, like guys like you, did you know about this the whole time and it was just kind of bubbling beneath the surface and a question of when it was going to come out and and the NFL and the Chiefs and the video and or was this kind of a surprise to everybody? I, I mean, for, for better or worse, for right or for wrong, people like me and the league itself are generally going to take their cues from law enforcement. And the degree to which they pursue a case, the, the, the sort of velocity with which they close a case and move on from it, uh, the depths to which they go to explore something and the clues that they send, um, both overt and covert, are where you're, that's going to be, you know, like, you're, you're going to follow, if you're, there's breadcrumbs that are still out there, you're going to follow them because you're getting the sense that, okay, this is reaching another stage and maybe they're talking about a, you know, a grand jury or this thing might actually go to trial or is there going to be some kind of settlement. This thing was sort of, so quickly kind of, put up, you know, the Cleveland PD put a bow on it and not much to see here. And now we're not showing anybody the video and we're not moving forward with any kind of charges because it would just be a misdemeanor anyway. And you know, we're going we're, we're gonna to spend our resources differently and we're, we're not pursuing it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm not saying the way it or the NFL does it is correct, but short of reporters flying to Cleveland, you know what I mean? tracking down witnesses, people to cooperate. There wasn't a paper trail that really advanced. It seems like the standard for any kind of um, m meaningful justice or, or meaningful punishment, I should say, because there is no justice, is the specter of video. And if everyone sees it with their own eyes, then it's like, oh, God, that's what it really looks like. But go read the Tyree Kill police report and try not to throw up on your shoes. You know, like, go, go read the Greg Hardy police reports. And, I mean, a woman fleeing half-naked and bleeding from his apartment, running through the streets to get away from him after he, you know, brutalized her, allegedly, and threw her on a, a, a cachet of, you know, semi-automatic weapons, allegedly. And he got back in with the Dallas Cowboys. You know, so I... I don't know, Mitch. It's it's kind of sickening. Like it's like unless we see it with our own eyes, it, it we you don't get the automatic six games. You don't get you know on the immediately on the exempt list and you know terminated by your teams and or or, or whatever. Um, 
it's just it's an epidemic in this country, and and I, I think what we continue to see from these cases, like Ray Rice, I mean that's one where if you're the prosecutor, it's like how much time, energy, money, man and woman hours am I got to put into this, knowing he's probably just going to get probation before judgment anyway, right? Yeah. So, but if it doesn't go all the way through that process, and we've come to find out the NFL, Lisa Friel, whoever else they used to investigate, if the if the people who do this full time can't suss it out, the NFL using NFL security and whatever investigator they hire, that's not going to happen either. And a lot of these jurisdictions don't want to cooperate with them. And these specific entities, whether they be a casino or a hotel, are telling them to pound sand because you don't have subpoena powers over us and we don't need to cooperate with you and what's in it for us. Then we continue to kind of circle back to where we are right now, which is something happened, in this case almost a year ago. We see it with our own eyes 72 hours ago. And now everybody's reacting. And yet we saw the video of Joe Mixon, which was horrendous. And uh, he didn't miss a lot of time. I mean, he's out there playing every Sunday. The video's out there for everybody to see. Ray Rice never played again. Uh, Where does Kareem Hunt fit into the equation here? Is he going to... He going to get another shot? Is he going to? He said he said most of the right things when he made his first comments since the video came out. Uh, he said the Chiefs were right to get rid of me, and I was wrong, and and that's a start. What happens next, Jason? Well, I, I guess you know what the league would say about Mixon is that happened in college. It was adjudicated. He, you know, did his probation. He did his counseling. Everything that the court prescribed to him, he followed. And he was going to be a draftable player at that point, and each of these 32 sort of fiefdoms could make their own decision. Joe Mixon, I know for a fact, was was an undraftable player, not on teams' boards in certain cities. He was never the, – the Baltimore – he could have still been there at the seventh round, and the Ravens desperately need a running back at the time. And he could have done all the penance in the world – he was an under. He was off the Ravens' board. He was not even a player that it, they would spend any time scouting. He's in, he's not never getting in their building. Post Ray Rice, you know, New York Jets. There's a bunch of teams that have now pretty much a zero tolerance domestic violence. Although even the Ravens, I mean, Terrell Suggs has been there forever, and Google Terrell Suggs and domestic violence. It's not a pretty picture, but we don't have video of that. Whatever. But you get you get where I'm coming from. So the Bengals, he was draftable for them, not in the first round, but in the second round. Um, Ray Rice, I think if Ray Rice happened now, if Ray Rice, if that wasn't the first sort of person who, who went down this road with the video coming out after the fact, right? I think he probably gets back in. People say he's washed up. He was 26 years old, man. Season, the Ravens couldn't wait for that two-game suspension to be over because he was in tremendous shape. His hip was recovered. And that's the year Justin Forsett ran for like 15. They had an offense. If Justin Forsett ran for 1,500 yards that year off the street, what do you think Ray Rice would have done? So he was he, – but you know how it is. It's the first time. It's unprecedented. Um, and even though he has he – has, I mean, that guy, you want to talk about somebody who's a pillar, somebody to, to look at as an example to do from your worst moment on. He's walking the walk, talking the talk, living the life. He'll never get a chance to even work out for a team. Kareem Hunt could get – by 1 o'clock this afternoon – Kareem Hunt could be on an NFL roster. I would not be surprised if he gets claimed. I, I, I'm almost at the point now, as many teams I've talked to, I'll be more surprised if he's not claimed than if he is claimed. Um, what has changed between Ray Rice and Kareem Hunt, I think we now see it more often, 
it's become a little bit, I don't want to say normal, but not as shocking when it comes out. And this guy is making no money on a rookie contract. You can't pay him for two more years, even if you wanted to, for the most part. And he's 23 now and say we're going to start the rehabilitation process. We have the perfect counselors for him. We have the perfect plan. We're going to, we're going to look at this holistically, mind, body, and soul, and we're going to work on this player as a human being for the next six months so that by the time we start our, our OTA program in the spring, um, if he's allowed to take part per the league, you know, depending on discipline, we feel like he'll be able to be a contributing member of our franchise and the greater insert city here area. Um, that's where I think it's going. And he'll be suspended for at least six games next year. And then he'll come back and he'll probably play his butt off. And right. you've got him for the rest of that season and the season after that on his rookie contract. And then you've got the specter of two franchise tags. Or if you want to extend him early and buy him after the first year, you can do that too. But that's going to have a tremendous allure versus he's a free agent and why would he necessarily want to come here and five or six teams are going to sign him. He's going to sign him anyway, so why don't we just claim him now? And here, I just gave you the spin. Like, that was off the top of my head. But, like, will people buy that? I think enough people will buy that to where by the time he finally plays next November, it's somewhat died down, and we're on to the next news on video that now carries the conversation versus everything that's happening in police reports and, you know, in, in police stations and, and people being, you know, witnesses being deposed all the time. Any idea who that's going to be and how they're going to be looked upon by other NFL owners? I mean, look, Washington just claimed Reuben Foster. No one even knew what happened there. Uh, not, literally within hours of his arrest, before the police even had a chance to get anywhere in their investigation. They, he was claimed, and that's a guy with a bum shoulder on a first-round contract making more money who has the potential to be um, uh, and has been at times a super impactful NFL player. But, I mean, we're talking about a linebacker with two of these incidents in a short period of time who we know is not playing this year, and he got claimed. So, and they got ridiculed for it, but it still happened. And whoever does this can kind of piggyback off that and say, well, we know what we're getting here, and it happened one time. We're going to take this approach with him, and this is why we're doing it. I think somebody, it could be anybody. I mean, I know certain places, again, where he, it's not even under consideration because the owners won't allow it to be. It's, it's just not, you know, who, who, who they're allowed to touch. But um, any team that could become comfortable with him. I mean, he's going to be, what, 24 next year, and he's, he's a controllable asset for that long. Um, I mean, not, not much would shock me. I mean, I know he's not coming to Baltimore. You know what I mean? Like, he's not going to San Francisco. Um, like, if Washington claimed him, would I be surprised? No. Not at all. I, I, honestly, if... It has been for domestic violence reasons. It wouldn't surprise me. All right, before you go, phone cutting in and out, just like old times. I'm very happy Dude, about I'm that. Dude, I'm on a landline. I'm I know. right here. I know. It's, it ain't it, me. I know. Well, it's it's it, it it might be. I don't know whether it is or not. But it's it's no. it's it's just it just seems like the old days are back, which makes me happy. Uh, I can't let you go, even though this is all other stuff. Uh, we'll talk more. Uh, in depth, maybe next week about the Seahawks and about stuff that's happening in the NFL playoff pushes. We've got four games to go. 
How I am I am incredibly surprised at how competitive the Seahawks ended up being. I think Pete Carroll's done an unbelievable job. I didn't expect this team to be very good. I expected them to hover around 500, maybe be a 7 and 9 football team, an 8 and 8 football team. This team looks like it's poised now to go 9 and 7, 10 and 6, go mm-hmm. to the playoffs, be a wild card, maybe be that team that nobody wants to play in the first round. I it's it's a pretty incredible story here in Seattle. What yeah. nationally give me a sense of the Seattle Seahawks in 2018. You probably you should probably have my boy Prisco on. I think he picked them to go four and twelve. Four and twelve. Um, yeah. I I, I don't I, and you know this. I don't remember my predictions very well. I know I had them around the wild card spot. I I may have had them as the six. I I, I honestly don't recall. I, I know in my head it came down to them in Carolina. Um, I'm I'm not shocked. I'm not. Um, I guess if the, the more surprising part to me is um, holding it together defensively, you know, with all those personalities and, and all those out and all those guys who really sort of define what it meant to be a Seahawk out the door in, in such rapid fashion and, the, you know, culminating in the, in the Earl situation. Um, that would have torn some teams up. Like, that really would have been the end. And, you know, it, it, we'd be talking about the, the Seahawks sell-off at this point. Um, offensively, you know what I think of Russell. I mean, he's one of the three or four best on the planet, period. And that's not even a conversation I'm willing to entertain with anybody. And that's going to make you competitive. And if they got some balance, I, I mean, I came in the season and said, there's no way they're going to run the ball that poorly again. It's impossible. He, can't, he won't be their leading rusher every week. And will they protect him that much better? It can't be as bad. It might only be a modicum better. But if they're running the ball 30 times a game, that's more important than what they're doing pass protecting. And if, a, if he can just click with a couple of these targets, that to me, that's a team that has a shot at playing postseason football. Um, so I'm not, I'm not stunned or, or surprised really in any way. And I, I mean, the schedule looked tough at the start, so I didn't think they were going to come out gangbusters. But I thought they'd get better through the course of the season. And, and Russell, especially when we get to the second half of the year, he always finds a way to take it to an even, you know, another level. So, you know, they're a well-run organization. They are, you know, you know what I think of the people there and what they've accomplished. I think it'll be one of these things where it's remembered even more fondly, you know, 10 years, 15 years after it does finally end than it will be in real time while everybody's freaking out over this drop pass. You know how it is in the heat of the moment. Um, and they're going to be tough out in the playoffs. They're an uber-physical football team. And they don't seem to be as, you know, caught up in whether it's a home game or a road game or some of that stuff anymore. And, you know, they just made a statement on the East Coast, what, a week ago. So I, I, think, I think it's going to be really interesting. Um, I don't want Russell Wilson in my backyard, you know, <laughs> after I fought and won a division. You know what I mean? And now that guy's coming up here. Like, I don't want any part of that. I don't want Carson and those dudes running the ball down my throat and emasculating my front seven. I'm very interested to see, you know, wh- how the matchups play out and, and who they get. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, them against the Cowboys would be interesting. I mean, you want to talk about – I mean, that, the way they run the football against that front seven, if everybody's healthy. 
Um, it'd be a throwback game. You know, that, that would be – I mean, there's some intriguing potential matchups out there. But, right, I mean, you're Mr. Playoffs or you know Mr. Playoffs <laughs> or whatever. You know the guy – you know a guy who knows a guy who knows Mr. Playoffs. I'm sure you have the calibrations to a degree I could ne- my, my feeble mind couldn't even handle. I'm sure you've already got figured out who they're going to play in the first round. I don't know what the hell's going on, especially in the NFC from week to week, you know. Who are they going to play, the Bears? If you had to guess right now, who do they play? Well, I would say they're going to play – uh, depending upon the result next Monday night against the Vikings, uh, right. they'll either be the first or second wild card. If they're the first wild card, they'll play, you know, they'll play the uh, the, the lowest of the divisional winners. I don't know who that's going to be yet. Even Mr. Playoffs doesn't know. Mr. Postseason doesn't know. Well, you got the Bears with a game and a half lead over the Vikings. Don't forget they play the last the game Bears, of the let's season. Let's say the Bears win that division. Let's just say. Okay, well that's good. Well, they're only a game and a half ahead. And they play the Vikings well, on the final. Trying to sort something out here. Okay, all right. I mean, all right, give the Bears. So let's put the Bears in the playoffs. Okay, so who's going to have a better record, the Bears or the let's Cowboys? Let's give Seattle the five. No, no, Seattle's no. Seattle's getting the five. Get, who's going to have a better record, the Bears or the Cowboys? So the Cow- it's going to be the Cowboys or the Bears in all likelihood. That's what you're thinking. Right. Well, it's going to be if they're the fi- – you know how it works. You guys yeah, play I, know, a game I know how it works, but I'm just – I don't have the standings in front of me. I'm trying to think. Well, you've got the you know. Cowboys. The Cowboys have five losses. So the- we're saying the Rams and the Saints are going to get the bye. Right? right. I mean, don't we think – I mean, that's what we think, right? That's right. That's right. And then the Bears, if you say the Bears and the Cowboys are going to win those other two divisions, yeah. the Bears have four losses. The Cowboys have five losses. The yeah. question is which one will end up the three and which one will end up the four. And then if the I'll Seahawks end right up now, the five, they're going to play the four. Right now, brother, I'm taking your I'm taking your squad over either of them. Really? On the road in the, the playoffs, round first round of the playoffs. Yes. Wow. We'll take it. We'll take it. I'll take I'll take Seattle on either of those matchups. Jason, you are the best. I love you, and uh, I hope you'll participate on a semi regular basis. I know you're busy with all the things that are going on in Baltimore and New York with you, but. I love hearing your voice. I miss you. I miss you tremendously, and you add so much. And the fact that Baltimore is not does not have you on the air on a radio station every day for three or four hours is a crime in and of itself. Uh, so uh, we'll I, I, see. I, hey, man, I've been I've been wondering that myself for about ten years now. Yeah, but all, yeah. all in due time, right? All, yeah, all in due all time. In due time. Yeah. I, I, real quick before I go, a bet. Yeah. My Orioles will stop uh, losing 100 games before your Mariners, uh, and it won't even be close. Uh, it won't even be close. Uh, I thought the Orioles backed into a rebuild. Broham. Whoa. Uh, Dude. Uh, you want to go to opening day in, here in Seattle? I've got 35,000 seats for you if you want them. <laughs> well, yeah, well, we can, we'll have a whole section to ourselves uh, here at Camden Yard. Uh, See, the beauty of, of where we live, though, is I can get to all their affiliates except for, like, you know, the, I know the you do. Short I, season I follow on Twitter. Yeah, so we're that's the thing, man. We'll see. Like, I can't wait for him to draft Bobby Witt, and he'll be at Aberdeen thirty minutes from my house, and we'll go see that kid play ten <laughs> times. You know what I mean? In the New York Penn League, like we'll have a crack bat and you know uh, an jersey before he gets to Delmarva. Uh, like that's that's what I love about this area. I mean, you guys obviously you got Tacoma right there, but everything else is kind of spread out all over the place, right? Right. I'll tell you your best friend. This is a great Christmas Hanukkah gift for anybody out there, Mariners fans. I'm ready. Get people a subscription to MILB.com. Oh, I love MILB.com. The function from that is you get MILB TV. I mean, like the low level, the lowest A-league teams, you know, it's it's hit or miss whether you can get a stream of them. But it's from high A ball, double A, triple A, you can watch all the games on your laptop, on your your phone. 
um, instant updates. It, it'll be your best friend look for at like you, five years. Look at you doing a commercial for Mill.com. They, should, they didn't even pay me for that. I just, <laughs> I just endorse what I endorse. Thank you, Jason. Let's talk next week sometime All if right, we brother. can. All right, talk we'll to you soon. We'll do it soon, absolutely. All right. All right, there he is, Jason Locken for 10 years together on the uh, on the morning show over on KJR and now a part of the Mitch Unfiltered podcast, hopefully on a regular or semi-regular basis. We love him for that as we continue on Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Great to hear the voice of Jason Lockenfor again. It's uh, great to have him as part of the Mitch Unfiltered uh, podcast. Jason Hamilton is here. Don't forget, available on all platforms, including iTunes. Please subscribe. Please give us a five-star rating. Jay Ham wants none of the four stars yeah. and the three stars. We only want five stars or don't rate us at all. We want five-star ratings from iTunes. It, help us, it helps us out. And also, don't forget to become a patron. You go to MitchUnfiltered.com, click the Become a Patron. It's $5 a month or more, whatever you like. And it it gives you access to all the bonus material, bonus conversation with our guests. Mr. Postseason, mm-hmm. I'm going to do a Mr. Postseason as soon as the Eagles-Redskins game ends, the Monday nighter. And then you're going to love, if you're a Seahawks fan, you are going to love Mr. It's going to have you it's going to have you pumping your Excited. fist. Excited. Mr. Postseason, and it will only be available on the patron for the patrons because yep. of all the other stuff that we got going on on this uh, this episode number four of uh, Mitch Unfiltered. All right. I said three touchdowns. You did, and you were so wrong. Yeah, but was I wrong? How wrong was I? What was the score? They won 10-3. Okay. I mean. May I defend myself a little sure, bit? Sure, but you were two touchdowns off. I was. So, great. Go okay. for it. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, I would say that if I wagered the way I would wanted to in Vegas, mm-hmm. if anybody had taken my advice when I said three touchdowns, they would have won because it was like five and a half the or spread, six. Yeah. They, so, were, so it wasn't that far. I got the right side that won. And the second thing I would say is, how did they only win that game by seven points? Now you now I know you missed a lot of the 49ers Seahawks game. You saw the you saw your beloved dogs in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. You did. Mm-hmm. Okay. How to, explain to me. How they only won that game by seven? It's It was ridiculous. I mean, defense was unbelievable. Yeah, offense not so unbelievable. But in position, a few times right. to score. They're 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 missing field goals. They're mistakes. They're, they're passing on field goal attempts. Can they? I mean, I, there was a couple of in and out of hands interceptions that Jake Browning threw. So I mean. Your defense of not a three-touchdown win, you could also make the argument that Utah had opportunities to change that game as well. Call me a homer, and I and I and you, you love him more than I do. Yeah. Call me a homer. Here's what I would say. Number one, the difference between those two teams, to my eye, and maybe I'm just not seeing, seeing it objectively, mm-hmm. was night and day. One team was... Far superior. I even said this. If they turned around and played again the next day and you said, Mitch, the point spread's now 10, 11, 12, I would have laid it with the Huskies. That's how much really? better I think the Huskies are than Utah. And I don't disagree. Utah. I don't disagree. Uh, that game should have been that game should have been a three. That game, the game should have been 24 to three instead of 10 to three. I, I just, I went away, went to sleep that night, just scratching my head like, how did they only win that game by, how did they even almost, I guess almost lose that game? 
if you really want to look at it that way. Byron Murphy's pick. Pick six. That's one of those that went right off the guy's yeah. hand, right off the receiver's yeah. hands. He had no business with that interception. It just worked out for them. And so the Jake Browning bashing continues. Just people eating him up. Yeah. Lightning. Up. And I am just uncomfortable with it. I am so... So am I, actually. I'm mixed. You are? Yeah, I, I am. Only because I think I said this, or maybe I didn't say this to you, the difference between what Jake Browning's legacy is and what Miles Gaskin's legacy, legacy is, is the position that they play. The position that they play. The scrutiny of the quarterback. The fact that Jake Browning is the quarterback and Miles Gaskin... Miles Gaskin is, has done amazing things. Four 1,000-yard seasons. He's... But he's also had some very pedestrian games as well in his career that were game-changing as well because he didn't run it for 100 yards. He ran it for 43 yards. But my question to you is this. Did, was there anybody who would ever say that Miles Gaskin was great three years ago and is not nearly as good as he was three years ago now? Would I, people say that he regressed? Because it really I, does look like Jake Browning has... On some level, now you might say he had better players three years ago or two years ago when he had that great forty-plus touchdown year and took him to the took him to the college football playoff. But boy, it it's hard to defend whether he's that he hasn't regret. I mean, it's his decision making. His decision making. You think is the biggest issue to me. And I mean, because if you look at the numbers about you know going to a Fiesta, going to a Rose Bowl. 4-0 against Washington State, the passing. Like, the number – everything is there. Everything is there. It's just that he he maybe hasn't, as people say, gotten better where you look at it and you say he's gotten better. Uh, but the decision-making, the fact that he'll be on a scramble and still try to make a throw that he shouldn't throw or not throw it out of bounds or or what have you. But we're not going to sit here and talk about Jake Brown because I know that's not the entire segment that no, we're okay. talking about. No, it's okay. But, it's okay. But I do – going back to my, my comparison earlier – the running back position doesn't carry the scrutiny as the quarterback position. I, I think Miles Gaskin has been consistent. Jake Browning has been uh, consistent, but not great. And and that's what's going to knock him. But the numbers and what he's accomplished are crazy. I think my view differs a little bit than yours. It, it's I think we overlap. I don't think we're we're opposites. Yeah. I think we overlap. Here's what I would say about about Jake Browning. Um. I don't think he's the same quarterback as he was two years ago, which I think is a shame. Mm -hmm. I think these guys should be getting better and better and better. Maybe it's not all about him. Maybe it's about coaching. Maybe it's about the receivers. I think it's pretty clear to everybody's eye that he's not the same quarterback and he has not had anywhere near the year that people expected him to have mm -hmm. and that he probably should have. Having said that, the people that are killing him I am completely uncomfortable because of what you just, a little bit about what you just said. Let's just remember one thing or a few things. Mm. The kid has been nothing but stand up in class. Sure. He came to Washington when he didn't have to come to Washington. He could have gone any, just about anywhere. Yep. He's a highly recruited, decorated high school quarterback. He came to Washington. He started as a freshman, yep. right? As a true freshman. Mm -hmm. And then he had an unbelievable year, his sophomore year. Okay, he's done it the right way. His personality has been perfect, right? And then all the things that you just mentioned, he did. A four-year starter, four bowl games, a college football. Here were the four bowl games. A college football playoff, a Fiesta Bowl against Penn State, 
and a Rose Bowl coming up yeah. against Ohio State. That's three out of the four. And then there was a you know a Texas Bowl, whatever Holiday, it was. I think. I think it was a Texas Bowl or Dallas was Bowl, whatever. Oh, that's right. That's but, right. That's but, right. But, but the point is, that's right. think about that. He was the quarterback of a Washington team that went 4-0 in the Apple Cup that won 30-some-odd games. He had 94 touchdowns and 34 interceptions. And his, you know, they as a team has have been incredible the last four years when you consider Super their success successful. and where they were five or eight years yeah. ago. And so, so I'm I'm kind of on the fence on this. I'm okay with pointing out that he hasn't been the quarterback the last couple of years that I expected him to be. Sure, I I think I, I agree with but that. But geez, I I don't know how you don't how you don't just kind of revere the guy. I think. Uh, at least on some level, you've got to just appreciate instead of ripping him and pointing it out. I think you got to appreciate his accomplishments. And by the way, I did a Twitter poll, and I asked, "Does he get a bad rap?" Mm-hmm. And sixty-eight percent of more than three thousand people, I think it was, said yes, he gets a bad rap. So okay. Okay. it's the vocal, the people that are killing him is the vocal minority on some level. Right. You get Urban Meyer. You happy that you get Urban Meyer in the road. You're an underdog, by the way, five yep. and a half point underdog. It's it's Washington against Ohio State in the Rose Bowl at two PM Pacific time on January first. How do you like that? I love it. I love it. I was actually hoping that Ohio State was gonna slide into the number five spot. Oh, why the five oh yeah, five spot. Five oh, spot. They ended up six, six right? Yes. Six, yeah. Because yeah, I wanted them to be upset that they were that close to getting in the four, and maybe, maybe that's hanging over their head a little bit. Like we should, we should have been in the playoff. We should have been in the playoff. You can't really make that argument if you're six. You, you, you could at five, you can kind of make that argument. At six, you can have a chip. At five, you know, you, you could, your mind can be elsewhere. Bob Rondo used to say this all the time about bowl games, and now this is a little bit different because. It's the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. but he always used to say most bowl games come to, come down to who wants to be here, because you you got a month to prepare and what you know what is going on. It's like a different season. Who who's invested in that bowl game? Obviously, the Rose Bowl, as I mentioned, is a, is a bit different. Well, I like that Urban Meyer's the opposing coach for a couple of reasons. First of all, I've never liked Urban Meyer. Mm. I I don't like Harbaugh either. I did the poll, and most people wanted Harbaugh over Meyer. But the reason why I wanted Meyer is very simple. If they got Harbaugh, that means Meyer was otherwise Run. occupied yeah. and, and going to be in the Final Four. And I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't want him in the Final Four. And yeah. I just – we'll never know the answer to this question because the committee, the Tyrone Willingham committee, as I like to call it, will never answer this honestly. And only the, those guys know in their hearts. You just wonder how much of the crap, how much of the stuff that he's been dealing with. He he just had a bad – Urban Meyer. Yeah. Mean. Oh, yeah. I mean – he was on the. They were on the. They were had to be on the fence with Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that the 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 humanity in that room didn't, on some level, have in the back of their minds how bad Urban Meyer has looked in the last year uh-huh. with his assistant coach and the domestic abuse that he covered up and mm-hmm. the best domestic violence that he covered up and the whole thing that had to work against Ohio State well Gene Smith the AD for Ohio State was on the committee now I'm sure he has to recuse himself when they're talking about yeah. the the resume uh-huh. but yeah no I, I agree with you 100% like I don't think they wanted I don't think they wanted Ohio State in that conversation well they didn't get him they got now. Do you think Georgia should have been in the final four? How do you feel so about that? I looked at Georgia playing Alabama and watching those two teams 
And I, I saw something. I don't know if you saw this. This in the two last two games that Georgia and Alabama have played in 120 minutes of football, Georgia was either ahead or tied for almost 119 of the 120 minutes. Wow, I did not see that. Wow, and are zero and two in those two games. Close the deal. Fake punt. And yeah, exactly. So thank you very much. Fake the, punt. Yeah, I think it was 118 of the 120. But they're the team that physically stacks up the best with Alabama. Yeah. And so you watch that and you say they should be there. But then you look back and you say that LSU loss, and you look back and you say, okay, you, you just can't, you can't disregard championships. You can't disregard undefeated seasons. I, I get what the committee did. Well. It's the same question that I ask when it comes around to March and selection committee mm-hmm. of the NCAA tournament. There are two different questions. A, who's the best? And B, Absolutely. who's the most deserving? Absolutely. If you ask me who I'd like on a neutral field, Georgia versus Ohio State, I'd call, I'd call Georgia. Sure. If you ask me who I'd like on a neutral field, Georgia versus Oklahoma, I'd call Georgia. But how Even do, Notre Dame. I think they beat Notre Dame, I think too. They, I definitely think they beat yeah. Notre Dame. I, in fact, I think the other two, Ohio State and Oklahoma, are, would beat Notre than, Dame, yeah. are better than Notre Dame. Yeah. But- it doesn't come down to who's best. It comes down to who's most deserving. And I don't know. I know the Big 12 sucks. I know there's no defense being played. I know, I know, I know. Um, but I don't see how you can take a two-loss team, got pretty smoked pretty well against LSU. Yeah, they played Alabama tough. Yeah, we think they're as good as all those teams or better. But they're a two-loss team that didn't win its conference. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma won its conference, lost one game, and – avenge that loss in right. its conference title game, Texas. Played, played Texas, a, a top 15 or 16 team, yeah. and won fairly easily. I, I, don't know how you could, I don't know how you could fairly put Georgia in, even though I do believe Georgia is as good as all those teams, except for maybe Clemson and Alabama. Although I'm not sure that Georgia doesn't beat Clemson on a new team. I really like Georgia, but I don't think they belong. I don't think I they agree. belong. I don't think they belong because they lost the two games and didn't win their. Because what's the message? That's exactly right. You can't. What's the message? Do that. You, it, it's it's basically then you might as well just say, hey, play the season out, and then we're just going to look at everybody, and we're going to pick the best four teams, and then everybody else, we're, you're going to go to a bowl game. Yeah. In some other bowl game, but yeah. these are the four. Yeah. You can't. You can't do it. Yeah. All right. We got to get New Heisel on here. Yep. Um. I think we got to add a segment. Okay. One extra segment because there's just all this other stuff that we haven't gotten to. Mariners trading the whole world away. I like to know how you – you were a former baseball – I didn't even know this until a couple of weeks ago. You're a former baseball star. Yeah. You're a baseball player. I don't know what star, but yeah. Yeah, well, you're yeah. a star. Yeah. You're a star in my eyes. Thanks. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. A few words from my friends Zeke's Pizza, the Northwest's homegrown pizza company, founded at the base of Queen Anne in 1993 by buddies Tom Vile and Doug McClure. Zeke's is rooted in friendship and celebrates the adventurous spirit and natural affinity for craftsmanship that makes the Northwest great. Proud of its heritage, Zeke's has never tried to be anything that it's not. No looking up to New York, no fascination with the Neapolitan, no playing little brother to Chicago, just confidence in the great food and culture of Seattle and the fresh flavors of the Northwest. And that means pizza dough with a West Coast sourdough bite. It means toppings that are full throttle on flavor. It means embracing creative and different without ever losing respect for the classics. It means attention to balance and detail. It means Zeke's taking pride in its craft. And of course, it means dedication to fresh. Zeke's dough is made every morning in its kitchen on Finney Ridge and delivered fresh daily to each of the 14 Puget Sound locations. 
So grab a slice of the Northwest, visit one of Zeke's 14 Puget Sound locations, or have homegrown pizza and beer delivered to your doorstep or next lunch meeting. Restaurants are open 11 to 10 every day. You can pre-order on Zeke's mobile app 24 hours a day. Zeke's Pizza, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. All right, let's get our old friend Rick Neuheisel in here. And uh, he was on the previous podcast, and he said the one team that gives Alabama the best game in terms of matchups was Georgia. And you were right on the button. Couldn't have been more right. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, Georgia kind of had it in their grasp and, and let it get away. Yeah, uh, it was a great effort by Georgia for three quarters. Unfortunately, their last six drives uh, – they were unable to to, to kind of answer the bell. Uh, Kirby Smart did a lot of things right, but uh, the fake punt was ill-advised. And, you know, a lot of Georgia fans scratching their heads, but it was a great game, and certainly we have to give credit to Alabama. And Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts. You know, Mitch, I've been doing this a long time uh, in the world of athletics, and, and this is what's great about sports is, you, you know, you get yourself up and you dust yourself off and you just keep going. And I've told a thousand people over my lifetime saying, hey, opportunity and preparation colliding is the definition of good luck. And, and that is exactly what happened for Jalen Hurts. You know, he never knew when his opportunity was coming, but he was prepared when it did arrive. And gosh almighty, was that fun to watch. Why didn't he transfer, Rick? What's the backstory there? The backstory to me is that he had two years, that he had a year. Uh, I think uh, Nick Saban told him that Dan Enos, his quarterback coach who came from Arkansas, we remember Brandon Allen and uh, Austin Allen, the two quarterbacks there. He said, look at both those guys improved when Dan Enos was their coach. He's going to be here. You can use him as a guy to improve your skills. You transfer a year from now. If you want to be a starter someplace else, I'll bless that. But get yourself to be a better player this particular season and give us some insurance. And who knows what will happen. And lo and behold, look, and look at the uh, stage that he found himself on. Did the committee get it right? Uh, a lot of us, like me, believe Georgia's probably better than Notre Dame, uh, probably better than Oklahoma, probably better than Ohio State. But there's still a two-loss team that didn't win their conference, and it's hard to say to – especially Oklahoma, who lost one game, won their conference title, and then avenged the loss, um, it would have been almost impossible for the committee to put Georgia in there as the number four, right? It's SEC fatigue. The, the committee felt they could not put a second SEC team in, especially a loser in the conference championship, despite the fact that I think they all, to a person, believe that Georgia is one of the best four teams in the country. Uh, Georgia had their chance. Georgia didn't take advantage and finished the job that they had so beautifully begun. And so for Oklahoma to get this chance and for those who love football, they see Kyler Murray and Lincoln Riley's offense against the bonded Crimson Tide. I think we're all happy that they decided the way they did. What kind of semifinal games are we going to see? The odds makers say we're not going to see very competitive ones. I don't know. I mean, we may be doing this a long time before we see two double-digit favorites, Rick, 
uh, in the semifinals. Um, the, the, at least the odds makers, Bino used to say to me, that's why they live in big houses and send their kids to Ivy League schools. They say that uh, <laughs> uh, Clemson and Alabama will win easy in the, in the semifinals. Do you tend to agree with that? I tend to agree with it as well. I, I don't know that, the, but I think we've known this for some time that it was Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else. I don't think that, uh, you know, putting Georgia in there, despite the fact of the way they played, uh, I, I, that might have been the one place they could have changed the, the uh, you know, the odds. But uh, listen, we're, we're in for some good football. We're in for some entertaining football. Oklahoma's offense against Alabama's defense will be intriguing. And I also think Clark Lee, the uh, young defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, will give uh, Clemson some uh, issues. And Ian Book has had enough success this year. Remember, uh, we had South Carolina throw for over 500 yards against Jake Bentley, threw for over 500 yards against that Clemson defense. So I, I think Ian Book can have a nice day there, too. I, maybe, maybe the odds uh, give us the idea that they're blowouts. Maybe the games will be more compelling. As far as the Heisman is concerned, Tua obviously doesn't help himself with the uh, the game. He leaves the game trailing due to injury. Had a great, great season. Had a great college football season. I don't know. I I think when I watch Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, I don't know what kind of NFL quarterback he'll make. Maybe he's going to be a better baseball player for all I know. But boy, does he look like... And, and people will first tell me, oh, Mitch, they don't have any defense in the Big 12. He's not doing it against anybody. I don't know. I have a hard time believing that anybody had a better college football season uh, with his arm and with his legs than the quarterback of Oklahoma. Uh, did he do enough to catch Tua, or is it still Tua's, Tua's award, do you think? The question is, Mitch, how many people voted before the final weekend? Because the ballots were available to vote before. And if, it's, if that number's 30%, then I think Kyler probably could have caught him. If that number's 40%, then I'd say that probably Tua kept his uh, margin. That will be an interesting uh, uh, revelation as they uh, open that envelope in uh, downtown New York. I, I, listen, it is, a, uh, it, it is a wonderful year for the quarterback position in college football. Both those two kids had great years. Dwayne Haskins, I thought, was outstanding as the Ohio State quarterback. You know, too many storylines probably for the focus to be just on him. Yeah. But uh, it was it was it was really a compelling year for the quarterback. But I agree with you. Kyler Murray was outstanding. Who would the former UCLA quarterback and Rose Bowl hero, if he was if he was voting right now, on this podcast on the Mitch Unfiltered podcast, who would Rick Neuheisel co- uh, cast his vote for right now? I I go with Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, and and the difference being. The you know over 900 yards of rushing offense. I mean, you if you you factor in that you're nearly a thousand yard back, as well as being the kind of brilliant passer that Kyler Murray was. And um, people might suggest that hey, it's a system, as you said, it's a lot of Big 12 defenses. Uh, at the end of the day, given Oklahoma's defense, they needed every ounce of Kyler Murray to get where they are, and they are in the Final Four. So enough said. Kyler Murray would be the choice. Rick Neuheisel is our guest on episode number four of Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, Rick, the Pac-12 championship game seems like it happened years ago. 
these Friday night games when all these other things happen on Saturday and Sunday in college <laughs> football and the NFL. Uh, you know what probably was the, the reaction out here uh, in your former hometown or your former home anyway, and that was a lot of Jake Browning bashing, a lot of anemic offense bashing of Washington. They win by scoring a defensive touchdown. They beat a team that looked like they they had so much. It's to my eye, Washington was so much more talented uh, than the team that they beat ten to three and struggled to beat them. Um, thoughts on the 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 the, uh, the, the Pac-12 championship game, and then we'll graduate to the Ohio State Washington matchup, which is going to be unbelievable to watch the uh, the quarterback of Ohio State against that great Washington defense. Well, you know, listen. Uh, congratulations to Chris Peterson and the Washington Huskies uh, for hoisting the Pac-12 trophy. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge feather in the cap. And despite the fact that Jake Browning may have not enjoyed the kind of evening that he envisioned for himself when taking the field, you got to give uh, Kyle Whittingham and that Utah defense a lot of credit too. That's how they stayed alive. You know, they lost their starting quarterback. They lost their best running back. And they still found a way to win their last three games in regular season by addressing, you know, the the uh, the defense and the special teams. So it was going to be a low scoring game. And I think Chris Peterson played that close to his vest and the defense found a way to win the game. Jimmy Lake, the defense coordinator, deserves a uh, lion's share of credit. And they've got now some time to try to develop some consistency on offense and they'll get, they're going to need it because as you just mentioned, Dwayne Haskins and the Buckeyes are coming to town. They're going to be a little bit uh, mad that they didn't get into the, uh, the dance as they say. And uh, you better be ready to play the Buckeyes. Remember the Buckeyes absolutely waylaid the USC Trojans last year in the, in the uh, cotton bowl in a similar circumstance being left out of the uh, playoffs. So uh, they played it uh, a one-sided affair that in that instance, they the Huskies are going to have to play their best game to make sure that's not the case in Pasadena. But Rick, that can go the other way, right? We've seen a number of different cases where teams that don't get in, they they suffer a little bit of a letdown because they're not in, while the other team that had no expectations of getting in the playoff is so revved up to be in the Rose Bowl, that could work. I mean, they were just asking the question of Dwayne Haskins whether he was going to either, even play. He had to he had to say yesterday that, okay, I'm going to play in the game. There was some speculation that he would skip the game and get ready for the NFL. What about all that? Well, that's a sad commentary of what's happening in college football, and I don't begrudge the athletes. I just guess I lament the situation that we've come to that. But I go back in history and say a year ago they were in the same situation and went down to Dallas and absolutely trounced the Trojans. Uh, so – Washington better be ready to put their best foot forward if they expect to find a way to beat Ohio State and Pasadena. You know, what I've always seemed to, to recognize is, or often I recognize, that when there's this showcase matchup of two football teams, an offense versus a defense like there is with Ohio State's offense and that great passing game from Haskins against the incredible defense, you talk about Lake's defense at Washington, very often the game is played and it's the other way around that determines the outcome of the game. It could very well be, and you touched upon it, what the Washington offense can do against the Ohio State defense while all eyes are on the, the flip side. That's why you're good at what you do, Mitch. You pay attention. <laughs> that is exactly right. That is exactly right. It's, uh, the, the, the likelihood is that, that other, the, the one side with the 
the dominant uh, portions of these particular teams is going to be a stalemate. So how does Washington's offense do against what has been at times a befuddled Ohio State defense is the key to this game. You are absolutely right. The safeties for Washington, uh, for Washington or the, excuse me, the safeties for Ohio State have been, you know, at times lost, whether it be tackling in the run game or, or covering in the back end. And, and that's where Jake Browning, I hope, this is my own hope, that he has a unbelievable final affair wearing the Washington Husky uh, helmet and uh, goes out with uh, the Husky fans remembering what a great, uh, absolute great competitor he's been over his career. All right, two last ones for Rick Neuheisel. Any talk of expansion? Uh, those of us that want eight teams, uh, does this year help further that cause, or is it pretty cut and dry and it doesn't, uh, doesn't add any momentum to that conversation? I think it does. I think it helps because, once again, you have two Power Five conferences, the Big Ten, and, the, and uh, the Pac-12 outside looking in. We now have a uh, list, I think the number is now seven, seven uh, Power Five conferences in five years having been left out. And the one common denominator between all of them is they've all played nine conference games. The, the, there's never been an eight conference game uh, champion that has been left out. They've never been left out. And that begs the question, this is not apples to apples. And so until we figure out that we need to have more teams, we're going to consistently have this number. I know we have a television contract with ESPN that says 12 years, but hopefully the powers that be will realize there's more uh, meat on this bone and let's, let's get some more teams in the action and hopefully sooner than later. And the PAC 12, of course, is a a forgotten conference this year. The Washington State Athletic Director spoke spoke up uh, the other day, said he was very disappointed with where Washington State finished in the final rankings, feels like that there is a bias against the Pac-12. Others would say, look, the Pac-12 wasn't very good this year, and have and there have been some other years where the Pac-12 isn't good. Uh, you're, you, you carry the flag on the East Coast as much as anybody for the Pac-12. Do you think it's a bad rap? Or do you think they're getting what they deserve this year in college football? I think, I think both. I think it's a bad rap, but I think we as the Pac-12 have to do more to uh, shed the most favorable light on our conference. And uh, I think that we need to realize we need to reinvest in the football programs in our conference uh, to the point where we're the equal of the rest of the country. Uh, we're, we're fantastic universities, we're fantastic athletic departments, but we, we spread the wealth. And I think uh, we need to realize that the football programs are the front porch of these particular athletic departments, and, and, and in some cases, the universities. And we need to invest in them such that they have everything that these other programs have uh, and so that we can uh, fight fire with fire. And if if we'll do that, there's no question in my mind, given the coaches and uh, the great fans that exist on the uh, West Coast, that we can uh, get back to competing favorably with the rest of the country. All right, so so college football is going to take a break. I happen to think that Rick Neuheisel has plenty to say about just about everything, and I don't mean that as a shot. I I I I would like to hear your your NFL opinions. I'd like to hear your opinions on golf. My guess is that you probably watched Tiger versus Phil. Maybe you didn't. Um, 
are we going to lose you now until we get closer to the, the next college football game? Or can we call upon you for Rick Neuheisel-isms on, on some, some thoughts and some pearls of wisdom on other things going on in the world? I think you need Rick Neuheisel unplugged to go along with Mitch <laughs> Levy unplugged. And I'd be disappointed if I didn't get to have a little bit of commentary as the rest uh, of the sporting world unfolds. Uh, if, if I get shut out of this thing, uh, I'm going to say, what the hell did I do to deserve this? Uh, well, uh, be careful what you wish for. You'll be getting the text sometime <laughs> soon. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. Thanks very, very much. Great to visit with you. Th- thanks for doing this. Always a pleasure, Mitch. All the best. Okay. There's Rick Neuheisel right there uh, joining us. So thrilled to be partnering up again with Al Manjazab in Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Al and I arrived to town the very same year. He from California, I from Washington, D.C. We've been friends and business partners for 23, 24 years. His BMW dealership was the very first endorsement that I did on the station in 95. And I've been on the air raving about his dealerships ever since. They do it right. It's an atmosphere that's different than other car dealerships. You're just going to have to trust me on that from the moment you walk through the doors. A pressure-free environment, no matter the make, the model, or year. A fabulous pre-owned selection of vehicles for the holidays. And don't get me started on the service department. Just terrific. They really take care of you, and they make it a very pain-free experience in the service department. I was trying to figure out how many cars I've either leased or owned from Al over the years, and I think it's probably eight maybe even nine, including my most recent from Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. And remember, they don't call the Land Rovers the big daddy of them all for no reason. Make your holidays safer by driving the best 4x4 by a landslide. The family discovery has to be the best value family SUV. Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. Unfiltered. myself that after those first few episodes or episodes whatever two and three they were so long they were 90 minutes each and everybody's going yeah yeah, yeah 90, 90 minutes, minutes 90 make minutes. it two hours make it do it every day yeah. for 90 minutes i was yeah. like no 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 i'm telling you episode four is going to be 45 minutes yeah. and now oh man now it might be two hours. I don't know. I don't know how long this is going, but this is going a long time. Well, we have, a, you know, we're not we're not on every day, and right. all this stuff kind of accumulates yeah, like dust in the corner. Yeah. It's 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 and my Mariners, your Mariners. Oh. What was the what was the Depoto's line about? We're reimagining. Just reimagining. We're reimagining. Uh, it's quite an imagination. Woo! That is uh, take that imagination to Disney. I mean that that imagination. I don't know what to believe I, because part of me thinks that he's doing the right thing. That's gnawing at me at the bottom of my soul. I keep reminding myself he's probably doing the right things. Sure. But to watch Eddie Diaz with all that we've invested and loved him coming out of that bullpen, what was it, 57, whatever it was, yeah. 157 saves, to watch him go out the door, the Cano era is over mm-hmm. after that sign. I remember where I was. When they signed Robinson Gano, when they announced it, where were you? I'm going to tell you where I was. Okay. I'm glad that you asked. I, I'm asking. I was in San Francisco doing the radio show, live on location, getting ready for a huge Seahawks 49ers game late in the season, whenever that season really? was. I was at Mel's, I think it was called Mel's Drive In. Okay. Doing the show from Mel's Drive In on a Friday morning when we heard, oh my God, they're going to sign Robbie Ten Cano. Years. Ten years and seven billion dollars. Yeah. Yes, and so 
what are your thoughts? You're a former baseball player. Before before we we get into you know what they're doing, or I guess we are getting into what they're doing. How were you a Cano fan? What you, now that it's over, he whatever it was, three, four, five, six, whatever it was, yeah. years. Um, I appreciated the way he played the game with ease. I mean, you know, he. I know that there was a lot of people that didn't like. He didn't run it out. Didn't run to first hard. It didn't look. But there was an effortlessness to everything that he did. The way he swung the bat. The way he fielded the ball. The way he flipped it. The way he threw it to first. All of those things. I don't think. I think it really comes down to maybe a blip. It's a blip on the Marin in the on the Mariners' radar versus this giant splash, this meteoric splash. It's a blip in Mariner history now that he's gone. From a guy who fell on his face in me, how much um, does the eighty-game suspension stay with you as you remember Cano's time as you get away from this and you remember Cano's time in in Seattle? Does that a, is that a big thing or do you kind of forget it? Yeah, as time I goes mean, on. Yeah, I think it's a it's a time it's a time thing, but that's gonna follow. That's the problem with those this type of thing, especially in baseball, where yeah. you had a steroid era and you had guys like Palmero and Clemens and you know everybody that was listed McGuire. So, all those people that were involved, um, Robinson Cano and even Bonds for that. Robinson Cano is a Hall of Famer with the asterisk that. I hate to I hate to see because people are going to say, well, how long? What was this the only time? You may never get in the Hall of Fame as a result of it, just like all Correct. these other guys. Um, if those other guys don't get in, he'll never get in. I mean, it's really going to determine those other guys are going to determine everything. I I get the feeling that maybe as time goes on, maybe there'll be one or two of them. I don't know. Well, I also we'll wonder in. about you know the the baseball writers. I wonder how how do they feel about him? I mean, about who Cano? Mm-hmm. They're going to put him right in the in the. They're going to put him right in the group. With McGuire and so. Palm, oh, of course, mm. he tested positive. I, I understand for performance. that. Performance, yeah. Understand he def- also played in the New York media market. He also, and I'm not saying that others. So did A. Rod. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that others haven't. Yeah. I, I'm curious to know what his relationship is. That going to play into it? His relationships no. with those baseball writers. Now no. he's going back to the New York Mets, back into that that uh, hot box, and we'll he, see. He is essentially, unofficially, as far as I'm concerned, unofficially ineligible for the Hall of Fame, even though he's a Hall of Famer, until they decide, those writers, what are we doing with that group? Mm-hmm. He is no way getting in without all those other guys getting in. Hmm. All those other guys have got to get in first. But that's on him. Uh, and probably, I don't know whether he cares about that or not. I don't yeah. know if it bothers him or not. Yeah. Here's what I, I, and I know that there's a lot of mixed feelings about Robinson Cano out there. I, I liked him. Yeah, me too. Oh, I liked so him. I. I liked how smooth he was. I looked. At, I loved how cool he was. I loved how he did Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue <laughs> with Dimitri. Um, <laughs> I, I loved the way he fielded the position. Yeah. I, I, he was cool. He was so damn cool. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. You know, I thought, was he worth the money? I don't know who's worth the money, but he seemed incredibly productive to me. And I understand why they're getting rid of him. There's no need for him. I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that they had to use Eddie Diaz to get rid of Cano. And I'm not suggesting they shouldn't have gotten rid of Eddie Diaz, but I'm with Steve Phillips who said to us the other day that he would not connect Eddie Diaz to Cano. He would trade Eddie Diaz on his own. The Eddie Diaz thing is interesting because what what the Mariners are saying to us, without yeah. saying to say it to us, is that we're going to suck for the next couple of years. Sure. We're going to rebuild the farm cl- system. We're going to get a lot of prospects, and we're going to aim to be good in three or four years. Well, what good is it to have a standout closer on a team that's going to win 
65 games for the next no two point. or three years. No point. No point. So I get, even though I hate to see, I loved him. I hate to see him go. I get them doing it, but I'm with Phillips. I'm, I'm just, I'm sad that they had to feel like we can't get rid of Cano and the bulk of his contract without they including. Couldn't. Well, who's you for the reasons you just said? Who's taking on that salary for a guy that nobody. just came? Nobody. You have, and, and I'm not sitting here trying to, to. Um, Say Steve Phillips doesn't doesn't understand yeah. what what his yeah. business is. I'm saying yeah. you have to find a way, a creative way to link those something that somebody else wants to add his salary and and who he is to dump that contract. So Jason, rather than get into what they got, because mm-hmm. I could sit here and pretend all you want. Right, right. I, I I used to say this on the radio. I'm not going to pretend they got. I, I could t- Jared Kalenic and Justin Dunn. I don't right, know prospects. these guys. I, yeah, I, don't I don't know. know they're they're supposed the to be pretty good. I know what they're ranked, okay. but I don't know anything about them. So yeah. rather than us talk about them, why don't we do? I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do the Thursday the Thursday episode. If we make it to episode five, right. right. I'm going to do a big segment on that. I'll get a Jason Stark, an old buddy from ESPN, now The Athletic, he'll come on. Um, I'll get some people maybe from New York. I'm not going to – I don't. I think wasting everybody's sure. time sure. for me to speculate on whether they got a good package or not because, frankly, I don't know. Um, but I will get the people on that do know, and we'll evaluate what they did. And, of course, they're going to, they're going to trade Segura now. Mm-hmm. And so – in a couple of days when we drop on Thursday, we'll have some answers yeah, on what, what they're getting and how good these prospects are. Like the Sheffield guy that they got from New York that, that if you want to hear uh, uh, Steve Phillips talk about, it's on a previous, a previous episode. Anyway, so gone is Cano. Mm. Gone is Diaz. Gone is Paxton. Gone is Zunino. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Gone is Segura. I mean, all these guys. Hanniger's going to be gone by the time you get to Jason Starr. I hope not. I get the feeling that Jerry Depoto loves Mitch Hanniger. Not that he didn't love the other guys, but I think a lot of people in this town love Hanniger. But I think he really loves himself some Mitch, some Mitch Hanniger. Mm-hmm. I do, and I have felt that since the day they made. I remember him coming on our radio show the day that he made the deal with Arizona, and we were talking a lot about Segura, and he said to me, and, and I'm paraphrasing, Mitch, don't forget the other guy. Oh, and he started going, waxing poetic on how good. This guy, Mitch Hanniger in the minor leagues, he was like, nobody was more productive in the minor leagues on any level than Mitch. This guy is, don't, he was a major part of the reason I did this date. He, his love for Mitch Hanniger is well chronicled. I think it's going to take a lot for them to trade Mitch Hanniger. But who knows, they've trade, they sure. traded everybody else. Anyway, a couple of laundry list items before you, we bust on out of here yeah. and we get ready for uh, episode number five. First of all, the dogs... I watched, I want you to know, I was on the treadmill watching uh, Gonzaga against Creighton. Did Creighton. you, did you oh, yeah. see any of that game? Did I you happen to a happen lot to... of that game. Oh. First of all, Creighton was on fire to start that game, and the atmosphere was lit, but yeah, that was a good game. My first thought is everybody who likes to fill out a bracket in March but doesn't really pay attention to college basketball up until the time they put the bracket in front of you, mm-hmm. and then you see these teams that are like 8, 9, 7, 6, 5, and you see Creighton, I, you, you know it better than I do, so I'll get your impression. I really like them. I think they can beat some people. I think put them in the back of your mind, and remember when you when you stumble upon Creighton in your bracket, yeah. they looked really good to me. Maybe it was just that. No, that, no, no. They I looked mean, really yeah, good. Playing, that guard, I think it's Alexander, He was. they look really good to me. When you're playing the number one team in America in your gym, yeah, you bring it. So I'm not sure how much of that is Creighton playing 
just out of their minds or if that's how they play. I need to see a little bit more of Creighton to know that. But what here's what I do know. I do know that Gonzaga is really freaking good. Where do they get – I mean – Rui Hachimura I re, is I, good. I don't really want to do this because it's given a lot of credit to the guy that I don't want to give credit. Would you please tell me where he gets these guys? Every time – I every year – this was the first game I've seen Gonzaga play. I didn't see the Duke game. Yeah. They got dudes. Where do they get these they got guys? Dudes. Hachimura is yeah. like if I if he's not a lottery pick. Oh, he's a lottery. He's, then I have never seen a lottery pick. This guy Josh Perkins is yeah. smooth. I mean, I saw him last year. Yeah. Brandon Clark, Zach Norville. Who? Yeah, Norville what, had a heck of a second half. Where are are no, explain this? Because I remember when they got a couple. They had a couple of McDonald's All Americans that played in the McDonald's game. I'm trying to think of the tall, the tall white kid that went. Uh, that's in the he's NBA right now. He's at Portland right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking his name. I'm blanking right now. on his name. Yeah. So they do get a couple of. Do, are these guys? Do nobody want these guys? Are you telling me nobody want that nobody wants these guys? Oh no, they're 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 in dogfights with people to, to get those guys. But what they've done is, just like a a good business, right? You yeah. you win, you get a reputation, you grow a brand, and then all of a sudden, one thing that they can say, which is an attractive thing for every kid coming out of school. You're going to the NCAA tournament. We're going to win our league. You're going to be on national television. We're going to play a schedule because they have to. They, the West Coast Conference provides no resistance to them that their non-conference schedule, yeah, we're going to travel. We're going to travel well. We're going to do Maui. We're going to go to New York. We're going to put people on a, on a aircraft carrier we're gonna we're gonna do so that's all, the way he sells the program yeah they're they're and then you can get the global connections and he has just risen that thing up to a level that is comparable to the dukes and everybody else of the world and i know a lot of husky fans are not gonna like me to say it. it's facts it's not i mean it's a fact i'd like to know who's beating them and i i'm gonna i'm never gonna admit to saying this so don't ever bring it back that okay. i said this i don't who's beating them Oh, in you mean in total? I mean, who's in the tournament? The, no, no, no. I'm just saying for the year. I mean, they're they're cruising through their non-conference. You don't think your guys on Wednesday? Hey, listen. Zone them up and slow them down, and just maybe frustrate them, make them shoot threes. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, how do you how do you what do you do? I, with I them? didn't. I don't know that I gave Washington a great shot to go into number two Kansas on the road last year, uh-huh. almost on the same day a year ago, and win that game. Yeah. So I, I mean. I'm not going to put it out there like I think Washington is going to beat Gonzaga. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, they could get beat by 30 or they could win. I don't know. I don't know. But on paper, yeah. Gonzaga is the real deal. The real deal. Mm. 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 Um Alabama football. Mhm. You dislike the tide like I dislike the tide. Where are you on that? You don't care. Is Nick Saban they win too much. They like the Yankees, Red Sox. They, where, they where are, are like them. I, I'm sort of indifferent about Alabama. I, I enjoy watching them play. I don't. I mean, I'm not sitting there waiting for somebody to beat them. Had Georgia won, I would have thought it was great. Alabama won. I thought the Jalen Hurts story was amazing. That's what I was going to ask you. But um, yeah, Jalen Hurts story. Yeah, I sat there watching the game, thinking I can't stand this coach. I can't stand this team, mostly because he wins so much. I want to make clear, it's not that I can't stand him for the same reasons that I can't stand Urban Meyer. Right. Uh, he was once the coach of the Dolphins, Nick Saban, yeah, said, yeah. I am not taking the <laughs> Alabama job. Stop asking me. I am not taking the Al- – I am not leaving. I am not going – and then like an hour and a half later, he was going. Go kind of the Sarkeesian thing on our show mm-hmm. when he went to, oh, right. went to USC. But um, how did you not feel like, oh, my God, 
Jalen Hurts. Same field, same team, same or same. That opponent. guy stuck around. That guy. That guy took him to a national championship and then lost his job and sat around and didn't and didn't go transfer and like from all accounts was like you know the best bud of of Tua yeah. and and then he gets a shot an unexpected shot and they're down a touchdown he takes him down two times in a row and they Boom. pulls the game out against Georgia and yeah. puts him in the I mean how do you not love that story that's kind of like a made for movie made for TV st- story it's perfect that was an unbelievable story. You know, the one thing, though, that I, I do it does kind of rub me the wrong way Yeah, is I think there's a lot of people that wanted to, to talk about that story and say, this is why you stick around. This is why you and – and I get that. But there's there's a situation for every kid that maybe transferring is the right thing to do. It, it's not It's not that you don't want to persevere in that situation. It's just the you, you see it. It doesn't feel right. You, you need to go. So I don't want people to look at Jalen Hurts and say that's the only way. You just got to drive through it, and good things are going to happen because that's that's really not always the the case. Okay. Well, I I I would say if you asked me, I don't know the kid at all. I would have thought he would transfer. I would I would recommend. Absolutely. I, I'm surprised he didn't. And, and most people in that situation I mean, who probably go, would. Who goes to Alabama without saying to themselves, I'm going to the NFL, sure. right? Every sure. every kid who goes – every kid who signs Alabama thinks he's going to be in the NFL. Yeah. And then a kid who plays quarterback at Alabama thinks he's going to be in the NFL. And then this guy, he essentially kind of – is he, he's kind of withdrawn from the NFL. If he would never have played, would he have ever – he wouldn't even – I mean, he, he must have been thinking about life after football to not have transferred. He could have gone somewhere and started. Yeah, I mean, and, every kid that maybe, goes to Alabama who transfers thinks they're the best player on the team that they go to because they were at Alabama, right? Right. I mean, they were right. just like, I'm, I'm, this is the number one place to be. I can go anywhere and be better than any of those guys because I just competed with the guys on my own team. I'm just going to say it. I think I don't – if I were voting for the Heisman Trophy, I'd, uh, I'd vote for Kyler Murray. Yeah, Oklahoma? Yep. Mm-hmm. Over Dynamic. Tua. Yeah. Super dynamic. I, I I watched him play against Texas. I watched him a few times. I know there's no defense in the in the Big Twelve. I get all that. I have a hard time believing uh, that there's a better college football mm-hmm. player in America this year than that guy. I don't know that he's going to be a great pro, but sure. it's not about it's, being a great yeah. pro. He's a hell of a college football Absolutely. player. Beat you with his arms. Beat you with his legs. Touch passes. Everything. He's to me. He's got. He, he's got the entire arsenal, and he's an unbelievable college football mm-hmm. player. I agree. Having said that. It's a shame that we've got two semifinal games where the the experts are calling for blowouts in both games. Yeah. Two double-digit favorites. Yeah. Two double-digit favorites. All right. Help me. Okay. On Ray Liotta. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Help me on Ray Liotta. I'm going to say this. It's it's the set. You talk about suddenness and burst. You were talking about that earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's the fact that they opened the commercial. Yeah. Right with him in your face, like in the eyes and like the look, boom, right in your face. Is it eyeliner? Is it his voice? Is it his roles in Goodfella? Is it, is it the acting? I mean, there's something about that commercial, and I'm hoping that most of the people that are listening to us oh, they know, know what it. we're talking Oh, they know it. If you it watch is, sports at all, you've seen this commercial. It is the most, to me, there is something really disturbing about that commercial, and it shouldn't be disturbing. And... Maybe it's him and his mm-hmm. eyes. I, I don't know. There's something about... He looks like... He doesn't even look real to me. Hi, I'm Ray. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ray. And do we Ray. really think yeah. 
He's quit smoking. Uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't look like it at all. Okay. I'm just going to tell you, and this is not much of a story, so I'm going to let you down. I ran into Ray Liotta. Okay, where? Okay, the Fort Lauderdale International Airport. I just one of my one of my my trips back home yeah. to see to see mom mom and dad. I don't remember whether uh, it was when my father was alive. It's many years ago, a couple of years ago, anyway. And we were coming back. It yeah. was the family. Yeah, we were coming back. It might have. I think all four of us were there. Okay, and we just got in the security line, the big security line, and I, <laughs> I'm like, right oh now. my god! And you know, he's not the world's biggest star. No, but you know, you recognize his face. Absolutely. I mean, this guy stands out. I mean, and let me just say, and, and I don't, you know, look, I'm the last guy. I got to be very careful with what I say anymore about things and other people. I'm just going to say this. This guy looked awful. Really? Oh, I, he looked I don't. I'm. I'm not going to speculate what was bothering him and why he looked awful. Yeah. You use your imagination. Yeah. He was in that line, and I. He was having trouble. I mean, he was just trying he, to get himself. To he, point he was a to point not B. together. Yeah. I'm just going to say that he was yeah. not together, and and I could not stop staring at the guy. I was like, oh my god, this guy is is creepier in person than he is on TV <laughs> or on the movies, and I just was like. I was like looking over my shoulder. I got to secure. I'm going through. I'm taking my belt off. I'm looking, looking over yeah, my looking shoulder. At- Is he behind me now? I mean, I, I, the whole He's got thing. you shook. You're shook over Ray Liotta. Yeah. You're shook. Yeah. Now I think it's the Botox and the eyeliner. And so the, maybe that's it. I, I mean, don't know. You, when you saw him a couple of years ago, I mean, now in this commercial, he's like complete plastic face. He just. I don't know. It's scary. And he, and it's. What I don't get is whoever, whatever that company is that's selling whatever it is yeah. to, to stop smoking. Are you telling me that they got like hundreds of people into a room to watch the final product and, and none of them said, okay, that's really creepy? Nope. They're all like, oh, nope. that's really good. That's going to stop. Really? Nobody thought, okay, this is disturbing. I'm, why do why the whole, what, the whole rest thought? of the world does? You know what they thought? What? We got radio. <laughs> we got <laughs> We got Ray Liotta to do our commercial. Yeah, and you know what I thought? You got Ray Liotta to do your, do your commercial? I, I don't know. Anyway, iTunes and all the platforms. Episode number four is just about in the books. So go to MitchUnfiltered.com. Become a patron. We've got lots more. We'll drop again on Thursday for the regularly scheduled, and we'll get you on from some hotel in Spokane yep. after the Washington Huskies upset. Ooh. Upset the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, become a patron. Also, I promise. I'm sorry we didn't get to Mr. Postseason today on the regular. I promise I'll do one for patrons. For patrons, one of these, like like right after the the Redskins Eagles game, so we have the whole picture in the NFC. You're gonna love it because the Seahawks are their chances of making the playoffs are so good right good, now, yeah. so good, and they are building themselves a cushion. And that's you know, I'm I'm They're a playing good football. I'm a pessimist. I always look for okay. Can we lose some games? Right. That's what it, uh, really what, I, what I'm looking at. I will do a Mr. Postseason for patrons in the next, like, 24 to 36 hours, and we'll drop it. All right? All right, episode number four, my thanks to Daniels Broiler. My thanks to Jaguar Land Rover of Bellevue. My thanks to Zeke's Pizza. My thanks to Rick Neuheisel. And, of course, Jason Lock and Fora. Episode number four, we'll see you or we'll talk to you on Thursday.